Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Fab Four Free For All. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Fab Four Free For All. It's not exciting, it's stimulating. Are you happy now? I am now. Okay, it is the weekly all-talk Beatles and Beatle-related show on the internet. You can call it a podcast, and that will not upset us. And I'm your host, Tony Chaguardo. Not your host, your moderator. I'm doing it again. Because I'm used to hosting but the radio show. you didn't do it show. before. So we, That's true. They don't know they that. don't know that I did it before in the outtake. You'll yes, hear it in the tag. You'll hear it in the tag. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway, maybe. <laughs> well. But uh, I'm your moderator, Tony Chaguardo. Joining me, as they always do, thankfully, otherwise I'd be talking to no one, is my good friend, Mr. Mitch Axelrod. Hello, Anthony. And my good friend, Mr. Rob Leonard. Hello, how are you? Thank you. I said hello, Anthony, and the tag they're going to hear yeah. that you said hello, Anthony. Right. And now you don't do it. Nah, whatever. <laughs> He's Mr. Right, Spontaneity. We're working for the tag now. It's anyway. The fourth go around for the six Fourth go around for the funny. opening. Third, anyway. Third, sir. Third, sir. For this episode, we're going to kind of um, cover some ground that we sort of touch upon during the course of other episodes and other shows uh, when they relate directly to the topic at hand. But. There are a slew of uh, Beatles stories and misconceptions and really, I guess, myths. So we can call this episode Hits and Myths, which was Mitch's idea. I said we'll call it You're Telling All Those Lies. But either way, it is a look at some of the stories and some of the, I don't know, I guess the rumors. Rumors. Yeah. Yeah, The rumors. You tell lies thinking I can't say. There you go. I just thought that. Right. That go. was very good. That right. can be another title. So we've all got our own title. Just call it I'm Down. <laughs> there you go. I'm down with that. They, no, I'm, you're right. N- These things are, are things that we've heard over the years. Right. You know, like right. the Paul is dead and all that other good stuff. But there's a lot of stuff that is bantied around the internet. A lot of people who are not knowledgeable Beatle fans or first or second, third, fifth generation Beatle fans are believing a lot of things. Or they read the wrong books. Well, that's true, too. Well, we can... And now, this is timely, actually. This is not anything that we we wrote up or passed back and forth. But if you think about how things relating to the Beatles become mythology and how it happens now, this is 50-some-odd years after the Beatles started, and now in the age of electronic communication that it's at and the internet social media social media we should be able to discern most rumors and myths even more quickly but now this whole thing with Yoko Ono having slept with Hillary Clinton which is all over the internet right now which is a absolute bold-faced untruth and comes from a website that is sort of like if every if anyone out there especially in the states if you remember the onion it's something similar to The Onion, but actually really not as good. No. No, not at all. You know, it's just sort of bad satire. Well, trying to put things out there <clears throat> where The Onion puts it out there with a point of being funny. Yeah, and there's they all... Just, these, right. these people are just putting it out there to, to get known and, in... And actually, yeah, another yeah. one would be that the Beatle Kitties are going to tour and record yes. together. Which that, was yes. around a few years ago, and, it, and now yeah. it's around again. It came ag- as and these are not ones we're going to be covering. No, no but, but we are, but, we are covering really. But, we're talking but at about the it same right time. It's way. what happens with the internet. You, as you said, people should be able to just look it up. But you know what happens? People say get an article saying Beatle Kids to reunite or or to unite, 
They don't read it, and they just forward it to everyone. Oh, this is great! And then everybody forwards and it the, to theirs. Yeah, and they don't know. They don't even read the, the, the actual article where it says, "Well, if they record, did record, it would maybe sound like this." But it's all speculation, and but no one reads what they're forwarding. And, and the ridiculous well, thing is, yeah. it, it comes and to that whole: if it's on the internet, it must be true. And then then someone picks it, it up internet. on yeah. some radio station that does the same thing. They don't actually read the articles. Or television, or whatever, and all of a sudden you get this this rumor that it's, it's idiotic. I don't expect the Beetle Kitties to get together unless they're going to solve crimes. But, but remember, <laughs> that was very funny. Like the Monkey Man, well, like the, right? We like, have to give credit to Steve Mandrasina. Like the Teen Titans, yeah. that's very love. funny. But yeah, Steve um, came up with that. But you know what, though. There was also a uh, well, few where did that ago- stem? Where did that stem from, though? I just want to just clarify. Where did that whole thing about the Beetle Kids getting together stem from? I don't remember. Wasn't that from an interview that James did James or something did, like that? But it actually started before that. Okay. Uh, there was something on the internet, and I forgot who, where it comes from, which is what happens a lot with the internet, who, who said that all the kids should unite. And then someone asked James about, well, would you mind playing? And he goes, yeah, sure, why not? You know, he didn't well, know I think he also said it tongue-in-cheek. I don't think he was serious. Well, we don't know. We don't, right, have, we don't know. But never wh- heard the whatever interview. it was, it then ballooned, you know. Yes. Right. Into, as they say, it, and, and now it's all this. Now it's all this. But yeah. the one thing also, a few months ago, there was Paul and Ringo both commenting on Paul being dead and right. replaced. Right. And everybody forwarded those two things around. And they were like, I can't believe Paul's going to say this about Ringo. And Ringo is staying. He's actually telling it now, 40, 60, whatever, 50 years later. And it was all garbage. Yeah. Just so we get this out right now. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of myths, which Tony will lead us into, but... We're not going to do The Paul is Dead because that's a totally separate yeah, show. Yeah, that's a totally different show. We will get right. to, believe me, uh, we, yes. I, it's a, yeah. no, we will. We I, should. I hate that idea. We've done it live, which actually worked. I thought it worked yes, a lot better. But, but it's it's a very, very, very important part of the it of, is. Of and, Beatle fandom and, I, and, and Beatle history. And I think if history. we do it the right way yeah. and then put all the stuff that we showed live on the website. The li- well, the live, the live was Unless, was you know, we just have a big... Thing and have everybody join us live, yes, live via Skype. Live via Skype, hey, sure. you know, via VLC that, video. That's a different podcast. And anyway, um, <laughs> I'm going to skip around a little bit, but I'm going to take us back to the beginning, really, in terms of chronology of Beatles. Are you going linear now? Beetle. Well, I'm going to go linear to a degree. Yeah, I mean, we're going to end up bouncing around probably because one thing will lead into another. Correct. And we'll start with the original Beatles lineup, and we'll look at a couple of myths and misconceptions that came out of the Beatles lineup. Stuart Sutcliffe. Oh, I thought you meant the crime lineup. Nice. Oh well, goodness. they may as well have been at that point, well, probably. Yeah. Stuart Sutcliffe was, of course, John's friend from art school, and uh, he won a contest with one of his, his artworks. Right. The Beatles did not have a steady bass player. They needed one. John convinced Stu Sutcliffe to go and buy himself a bass so that he could become a member of the Beatles. But well, did he also buy them instruments too? Or? I just think he. I, I think he just went out and bought the bass. Okay. Yeah, it was like sixty-five. Um, was it pounds? Quid, whatever. Yeah, yeah. it was Bob. <laughs> yeah, well, back then it was shillings. Read Mark Lewison's book; it's got it all written out I know, for you. How much every it's, currency? It's wonderful in there. Bob Schilling, but, quid. Yeah. That but, was, no, that was the names of the guys. Bob, Bob, Bob Schilling, Schilling and, and quid. quid. Yeah. yeah, that was a band. Bob you know, Schilling Mark and quid. Mark should just yeah. have it in dollars anyway. for us. You know, just Thank you. Because um, we're, we're important. We're Americans. But Stuart Sutcliffe becomes a member of the Beatles, and Stu stays behind after their second trip. By the time the Beatles come back for their third visit to Hamburg. Uh, Stuart Sutcliffe has passed away right around the time before their arrival. 
And after that, rumor abounds that you know Stuart Sutcliffe was was an absolutely horrifically terrible musician, and that he always had his back. Always to the had audience. his back to the audience. Now a little bit was started by George because George did say, and he didn't say this specifically about Stu, but he said it was better to have a bass player who couldn't play than to have no bass player at all. So that was a big quote because everybody thought he was talking specifically, and he wasn't. And, he wasn't and even if he was, Stu. the reality was the Beatles had already been playing Correct. together before Stewart even plunked a note. So the truth was the Beatles had inherited a bass player that couldn't play. Correct. But was better than having none at all. But looking around, you find some different comments about Stu. The guy was not passionate about being a musician. He wanted to hang with his buddies. Really. He, yes, he was but, not, he was he, an artist. He was an artist. He was a painter. He wanted to be a, in all sorts of mediums. And if but, John hadn't asked him, he wouldn't have said, no, hey, I want to join you guys. Correct. Not in a million but, years. But that doesn't mean over time that they all didn't improve, but which we'll get to. But a lot of this rumor also started from Alan Williams' book, The Man Who Managed the Beatles. Or the Man Who Gave Away the Beatles. Man Who Gave Away the Beatles, sorry. Because he said... Uh, he had, in his book, he stated that the whole back-to-the-audience thing and bad bass playing, he attributed that. It, it was attributed to him in his book. So that also, you know, started a whole bunch of things, because before that, nobody had ever really said it. Well, also, Alan Williams wrote one of the first books about the Beatles that was, you know, not a fan type of book, meaning written by someone who wrote for Sixteen Magazine at one point. Uh, but right, but we also know that a lot of Alan Williams' book is not exactly. Al, you know what? Al, Alan Williams is the type of guy you want to go in the pub. You want to have, have a beer with him, more than a couple of pints, and you and, will, and you will, and make sure you're paying, and just listen to him talk, and then like say, okay, you know what? That was true. That, that was, wasn't. That, that wasn't. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't. And 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 like, then. The ones he actually knows about, you go back and say, hey, what about that? This one may not have been true. Yeah, and, you know, uh, a lot of his book was like that. Yeah. You know, it's like a baseball card. Need it, need it, got it, got it, got it. A lot of the right. got it's, you know, right. all right, thank you. You know, there's no way that could be true. No. But it was, you know, but, it was going but around. But he was bass player for a little longer than maybe if he was that bad. They kept him around for a, a while, considering how many drummers they went through over the that time. And You're also looking at the idea that did everybody who walked in to see them in Germany for those first two tours have completely tin ears? I, no. Really? Did, did, any, you know, did anybody in the audience not call them on it? Well, it, I mean, no matter how much they're a mocking show, I mean, I gotta tell you, if my bass player in my band hit a bunch of clams, we'd be recoiling and the audience after a while would really probably start would have started throwing well, crap. The thing I can think of is, is that he wasn't plugged in or you know his his volume was turned down. No, because you can't hold the bottom end like that with just the two guitars. But it you know what? All well, trouble. He had three guitars. Klaus Vorman said Stu was a great uh, was great, but basic and also Howie Casey who was what well, Derry, Yeah, yeah, was going to Gary and the Seniors. Yes, yeah. He he actually when the Beatles were off doing something else, he inherited Stu for his band as a bass player. Yeah, well, because they wanted more music. Right. Bruno Kauschmitter right. wanted wanted more music, so he would take the bands that were part of the scene and mix and match mix them to create match. other bands. And he said he was great. Uh, yeah. He said he was a, a very punk, and he turned his bass up very loud, dominant and driving. So, I mean, you can't be in Howie Casey's band 
and be bad. Well, no. anybody's bad. Really. And Howie Casey, for those of you who don't know, uh, went on, it was still close to Paul, was playing in Paul McCartney's band as of when? The, well, well, he's in Wings. He's in Wings. He's in Wings Over America. He's all over went the albums. Went on tour with yeah, them, went yeah. on tour with him. So Howie Casey but, was but, a, you but, know, a you serious know, musician. How, how delicate is is Stewart's bass playing? Is he playing the... Is he playing like, okay, this song goes CFG? Yeah, he's, he's playing the root notes. If he's, he's playing the roots. Is he playing it in quarter notes, right. eighth notes, you know, Well, again, notes. Mitch is right. And it wasn't, I don't know if that was how he came, but the, the, the quote that you're saying about the him dominant. playing aggressively yeah. was the director of Backbeat, maybe, also. Oh, right, 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 right. Ian Soft, Softly. Very punk. Um, was saying that he was a punkish player. So you got to imagine he was probably playing... 16th notes but playing the root you know yeah, he's playing, playing yeah. the root chord you know, you know it's a C it's a C chord uh, John's, John is playing a C chord but if you think about you're playing the C note yeah but if you think about you know like you, you hear him uh, it, well you don't hear him on that because he's gone already but you could think about stuff like My Girl is Red Hot and stuff that they were doing at you he's, know he's on Anthology he's on Anthology there are three songs right. on Anthology right and Cayenne, they're not uh, Hallelujah and I Love Her So right those three are on there they're not amazing. But we've but all heard not... where that those songs came from. Yeah, and there's a thumping notes all over the place where it's like, uh, well, it's not Paul playing the bass. Exactly. But they're not clams. They're just not. No, they're just not. They're not great. But that doesn't mean you know we're used to Paul great. Yeah, I that mean, doesn't really... mean you know. And come on, Paul's one of the best bass players alive. Right. Right. Where I ever played. Right. You know, so you're not going compare, uh, to compare to Paul. Stu was nothing. But that doesn't mean Stu was bad. And Howie Casey said he never played with his back to the audience. Never. Right. And right. also... Well, what about those pictures? <laughs> well, no, they... I mean, they, you might have had a picture with it, but it was, doesn't mean he did it all the time. And also, they all said they improved a lot. And even Stu wrote in, an, in a letter home, we have improved a thousandfold since our arrival. Right. So and, and right. you know who also said that Stewart was very good? Pete Best. Pete Best yes. recently has been saying yeah. that he th- everyone's knocked Stewart, but I was the drummer and yeah. I I thought he played yeah. very well. Well now. that's like saying sorry. Well no. now, and we'll get to that. <laughs> no, but we'll I'll say that. Sorry. Hey, sorry. Uh, you know, we, I love Pete. Uh, we love yeah, Pete we do. too. We do. But you know, he was their drummer for two years. You know, that's something to think about. But yeah. he said he was you know, he said he had no problem. Now now maybe Stewart wasn't the best bass player, so Pete wasn't. Well, Maybe they saying. had their own rhythm because they weren't as good as they could have been. Well, oh, I'm going to take. Saying. I'm going to toss another myth in for later. Uh, it's not only that Stewart wasn't the best bass player in the world; he wasn't even the best bass player in the, in Beatles. the Beatles. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Uh, oh, you're so funny. Chron- now not. we're going to stick in chronology for a moment. You mentioned we're Pete. Stick Best. in chronology. We're going to stick in our chronology for a moment. Where are we sticking it? We're sticking it in our listeners' ears oh, right now. It is. Um, and you mentioned Pete Best. Who, of course, was fired from the Beatles for being the best-looking one. <laughs> because on a run to the bus after a performance, the girls attacked Pete Best and let Paul go by. And, and Paul's father made the comment to the effect of, you're going to let that happen, son? And next thing you know, Pete's out of the band. Now, I don't know oh, where the hell that myth started. Yeah, that's, but that's not the real. But that's such a load of hooey. All you need to do is listen to anthology. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Or look, the Decadave. I don't think Pete's drumming is bad, but it's, it's they not... They took away his bass drum at one not, point. He yeah. wasn't that good. No, not, but not but him. We've, not the Beatles. We've read from Mark Lewis's book. Well, we're quoting Mark. We've, Mark should be credited as being a fourth. Uh, anyway, he is. He is. ML. But we talk about, you know, the things we learned in the book. But but that amazing story about 
Bert Kampfert, the producer of yeah. the Tony Sheridan sessions, right. actually taking away Pete's floor Thanks. tom. Yeah, you know, a, a, the, a kick drum. Kick drum, not the floor. Because time. of what he felt was a coordination issue, that he actually wasn't playing his snare and, and toms in time with his kick drum, and actually took it away from him. Yeah, that's now we know he took it away, and I, I'm going to play devil's advocate on this just because I'd like to. Did you think he was going to let him overdub it? No, no, no. <laughs> but could it be possibly that the place they recorded this? You know, obviously it wasn't a recording studio, it was a sure. school. Sure. Was it maybe that, that drum was bouncing off the walls the way And a snare wouldn't? Or no, but I gotta say, Rob has a point. You know, it is entirely it's possible like that we've been in school auditoriums and not made for I'm not sure. It's well not just that, Rob, but it's also possible that if you don't have exactly the right equipment and the exact type of drum microphone, yeah. Listen, you're gonna I don't be know. snapping the diaphragm Bert on a Camp microphone. Bert was not a small time producer. True. No, he too. wasn't, but he wasn't so a rock I'm sure and roll. They weren't doing, yeah, but I'm sure they weren't doing it in the school. Either. I'm sure it was a studio of some point. No, it was a school. It was what? a German yeah. school, yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, it was a cool school. <laughs> Sorry, Bobby Rydell. Anyway. So uh, swinging school. I mean, Sorry. swinging school. Wild one. But, um, you know, nice. that could be. Now, Pete's drumming is very rudimentary. Ooh, rudimentary. Yeah. Perfect. Or just play. rude. And, it's, nice. you know, we've seen him at rude the fest drum, and he's still kind of rudimentary. Yes. But he's yeah. not bad, but he's... No. You know, but, but it's the idea that the music was getting... Once you had Paul on bass... The rhythm section. The, you've got. You've now got a very dramatically uneven rhythm section. That's you've true. now got a powerful rhythm section in the bass player, and the drummer. I mean, I, I'll throw out the perfect example of any early Ringo BBC appearance, even down to the beginning of yes. "I'm going to sit right down and yep. cry over you" from the BBC. Yep. The reality is, Ringo didn't have to show off. Ringo had to just play the drums. And if you listen to any 10 Ringo tracks yeah. from the first set of BBC sessions and you compare them to anything from the DECA sessions listen or- Listen to some other guy. Listen yep. to some from other BBC. guy. From yeah. BBC. You know, la- last night on, on my show, it was Friday, it. we played Slow Down and listened to what, it was 1963 they recorded that. Yeah. And it's before they did the studio version and his drumming's so different and but, so open and so in the pocket- his drumming is a la Washington, D.C. Yeah. And right. even with some other guy. Mm. We're talking early, early on. And Ringo is just different. If you listen to Pete Best on the anthology doing Love Me Do, it's just... He gets lost in the middle. Yeah. It's just not good. I but mean, then yeah. again, Paul's voice is cracked, too. But, no, but, right, but that's you, different. You know, I know. Listen, that's a voice. That's you tension can, versus I know. talent and, and right, I, the, aptitude. I, yeah. You know, it's that's interesting, you know... Pete, Big words. Pete had to play with with Stewart, and then Paul comes along, and Paul's always played bass like a guitar player. That's why he's had these interesting melodic runs. Without a doubt, because if he was a bass player first, he would maybe wouldn't be thinking of melody as much as just making sure the notes are there. And I think you know maybe Pete didn't adjust to the new bass player. He was used to playing with Stewart, who wasn't as good, and. We know other reasons, too. You know, they needed a drummer, or they were going to Hamburg. We need a drummer. Oh, you're in. So that's part of it, too. Do you realize that, with all due respect, and again, we, we like Pete very much. We're very fond and of him. You go on the internet. You could, you could find our show with him in our last incarnation. But Pete was sort of the Johnny Bravo of the Beatles, for those of you who know. Yeah, he fit you know, the coat. He fit the coat. You know, he fit the yeah, suit. Yeah. He, he had a drum kit. He did. You know. You're right. Well, just like Stu, then he had the bass. Right. Yeah. 
That's true. Yeah, but I would love to hear like that one Cavern Club tape that's floating around. Right. Just right. to hear I would from do. 1961. Just to hear. Now the, I'm sure the sound because the way the cavern is is a it's a weird tunnel. Right. But I would just love to hear. But you know, he was. Like. It wasn't only the aptitude issue. He didn't fit in. There were the three of them. And then he always went off on his own. And, always. And, and what did what did Paul say at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in, introduction? He goes, which was really nice. Which was he, very he, nice. It was interesting that Pete was mentioned actually in in Ringo's, in the Ringo's induction. In Ringo's yeah. induction. Yeah. But he said, hey, uh, one day we we need someone to fill in for Pete Best, and we got Ringo, and then we all looked at each other on stage and go. This is it. Yeah, it's been great. And but the it. line, too, was also, we were pretty good. Yeah. No, he, he said, says with, he with said Pete, Pete was great. But he was great. Right, yeah, he said was, it. Pete was great. Well, I think that was more of a bone to throw but he, but at but Pete. But he didn't, he but didn't very importantly, he didn't have to. Didn't yeah, Rob's right. He didn't have to do that. It was no, almost it, like making up for if anything, <laughs> Right. If anything, he could have even... He could have said we had a different drummer. Or he could have even made a crack. You know, I mean, if he wanted to. He could have turned it into humor. He could have said, well, we had some other drummer, you know, or been goofy about it. But we're all musicians. We're not great musicians, but we're all musicians. Hey, no, but you don't. You know, we're, we're not making I, money at it. We've played. Not making people, money at this either. And when, well, that's true too. But <laughs> Patreon. But when, when it's when you're in the pocket as a musician, we all know what that term oh, yeah. means. There is something that takes over your body as a player. Yeah. It, there's something that you know it's going well. Yeah. And that's what happened when Ringo came in and they got rid of Pete. I always felt bad for Pete. I mean, literally, you get to the beginning of what turns out to be the best career in the world. And you're part of that. You were there, you know, allowing the band to stay at the house. He booked the shows. He collected the money. He did a lot of things. And you think everything's going along. And then, you know. Well, well it, you know, there's also the whole Neil Aspinall. Well, that's a whole. Right. And, yeah, and but, but they, you never know. But that, that could have been involved. Was that part of it? Did the Beatles feel that Pete, through Mona Best, now what we're all talking about here, folks, is through that, Mona Best. Uh, right, is at some point along the way, Sorry. Neil Aspinall, Beatles' friend, had an affair Rody. with, with Rodian and friend and whatnot, had an affair with Mona Best, Pete Best's mother. Right, because Neil lived in the same house. Right. Neil ends up fathering a child with Mona, born in 1962, which is Rogue Best. 62? 62, yeah. It was July um, of 62, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... You know, by 1961, this is known. Now the Beatles are about to become a national band. Was it the concern that... Publicity. Publicity? You know, is that something that's going to come out? Personally, for me, I think it was all about the fact of the drummer. But but were there other reasons? Yeah, who knows? You know, contributing factors that... Maybe they would have put up with the rough drumming and brought a studio drummer in. But then again, they would have gotten rid of Neil, too. And they didn't because Neil went on to become Apple, the the head of Apple. Neil. So I yeah, would right. say it's much more aptitude yes. than yeah. any of this extracurricular yeah. stuff. Well, it's also the, it didn't help. It's also well, the combination of here's George Martin stepping in to be a producer. That's the big thing. Yes. And he says, hey, guys. I want a hot drummer for the right. recording. And we can't use him. And then they're already thinking. Well, no, he said we could use him. Yeah, but not on the record. Not, not on, on the records. records. Yeah. yeah. He says, you guys do what you want live. I don't care. And then at the same time, the other three are saying, well, maybe... You Maybe know, he's not as good as we right. want. Right. And right. also, you know, Ringo became available, and George was the one pushing yes, that, for that Pete be kicked right. out. Right. It wasn't John or Paul. Right. So. Well, uh, but they we, were all cowards. But, but they, went, they went along with it, and I feel great that 
Pete's included in the anthology. I yes, wish he was actually absolutely. visually in it. And the, but he's on right. ten tracks, and he got his That's money. A good and point. they they gave him the I permission. I have been interviewed. Yeah, they gave him the permission to use the footage for his documentary that he did. And, right. But we could actually do a whole show. It sounds like on just well, Pete we, alone. We interviewed him. We talked. We've a lot interviewed about him. This. Yeah, we've talked. I mean, about we a lot just did. But do Sutcliffe and Pete Best. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The but two but, myths. So that's two huge things. Huge. And Speaking of huge. Things. While we're in Germany. <laughs> oh, we're in Germany. We're now. still in Germany. Mach and show. my question is. Mach my question to you is: Was Paul McCartney truly the Sperminator? Oh. And, <laughs> I don't know if I want to get I into mean, all these is, myths. No, oh. but this is just one big, excuse my French, myth here. <laughs> um, but here's the deal. I don't know if so big. All, all the years, there have been so many comments of Paul McCartney fathering children in Germany. Well, every girl um, he looks like, so... Very nice. And, and the <laughs> well, reality th- is... There's a new town in Germany called McCartney. Not, <laughs> that was very good. Just McCartney's kids. Just to lay this to Thank rest, you. no pun intended, if you go through Ladies. every book, if you go through every bit, of, there has never been a bit of scientific proof. No, but Paul has paid people. He has paid people, and so Brian Epstein you, has pay, paid people. You know what? Because, look... It's like anything else. I know. It's if, easy if to you, pay them to go through the whole... There's a whole thing about certain countries now. If a, an American goes to the country and a woman, a woman's hitchhiking or a woman looks like they're in distress, there's a whole thing happening where you, when you pick them up and you put them in your car to help them, they say, put out their hand and say, if you don't give me $100 I'm, or you know, $100, I'm going to say that you attacked me. Yeah. And again, this is nothing misogynistic. I, I, it's I a agree. horrible, horrible thing. I'm just, I'm just saying this is a situation. And... Don't get me wrong, men blackmail too. But the sure. reason why I'm saying this is that without a paternity test, there's no way to prove it. And paternity tests are expensive, and the Beatles were a young band, and you have to remember too where this came from. This is really important. Brian Epstein was a gay man at a time when being gay was illegal. Brian Epstein's family were probably already occasionally having to pay people off. There was already probably situations that had arisen where Brian had to buy silence about something. So people start saying Paul McCartney impregnated them. The first thing it's going to be is we don't need this to come out and be a big mess. Just pay him off and make him go away. So it was almost Brian's modus operandi by that point, possibly. I always felt that if they actually paid him off to go away... You know, was a woman pregnant? That would be the question. Right. And if she was, let's say, okay, well, we got paid off. By now, you know, you Of would, course. You know, hey, daddy, you know, I'm not here for your money, but I'm just here for a yeah, hug. Yeah, I'm here just here for a hug. Let's yeah. let's take another, let's take a blood test. Yeah, dude. and Paul's a popular guy. You know, let's be honest. The German- How are you doing? 20 years old right, or 18 right. years right. old. The German ladies love it. Right. You're going to- have some adventures. Just a bit. A little bit. Yes. You know? You know, you're going to mock more than shout. <laughs> Very good. They had Thank the women you. in the windows. You yeah, know? They, but the one that came to mind while I was doing the research for this episode is this Bettina Krishpin, who claimed this was great. She said in, well, in 2009 that a fake Paul McCartney had given blood in 1986 because the attorney took photos of Paul at the venue giving blood, but it was a fake Paul. It was William Campbell. It was William Campbell. I mean, See, this is a new connection really? to the Paul is dead thing. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. That's but I mean, incredible. can you can you get over something like that? I mean, really, well, because well, keeps the story because going. the doctors are not going to be able to tell that it's not the same guy. They're going. Paul went out instead of just simply paying the people off to go away. 
Paul paid to have a double go and give blood. Yeah. Really? Really? Yeah. I mean, look, I could see if he switched the urine, you know. Right. <laughs> exactly. But I'm saying you you want to do something that, you know, slip the, slip the technician 20 grand to, to yeah, switch really? the... Where know, was Mitch Weiss You're going to send a... Yeah, right. <laughs> That's very funny. I'm friends with Mitch Weiss. I That's know. very funny. <laughs> That's very, very funny. He's All a right. great guy, but... That's great. He was in Germany. No. <laughs> all right. So very nice. So all right. So now keeping in Germany Love and keeping man. with Bert Camfort and all that wait, stuff. We're in Germany here a lot. Well, yeah, I know. Are we ever coming out of Germany? Well, There's wait, a lot of myths in they, Germany. But they tie in with this directly, and it's a much later myth. Oh. And you know the one I'm talking about. It. This is a much later myth, but it does apply directly to in Germany. Germany. And here's why. Because it goes back to Bert Camfort again. He was drumming? Yes, he was drumming. <laughs> what the hell? No, look, everybody remembers the Ruddles where they go and they have the guy saying, you know, I did discover the Ruddles. I no. did. I, I did. did. You know, and, and every last, time. Every time. And, all right, well. Documentary crew. Well, the funny thing is there's all kinds of stuff like that, but there is also. Oh, I know where you're going. That one musician that, aside from Hal Blaine, one of the guys who's played on more top 40 records than any drummer in history and more R&B records. Okay, R&B, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, R&B, but plenty of R&B hit records. It was a gentleman named Bernard Purdy. <laughs> Pretty Purdy. Pretty Purdy. Pretty Purdy. And uh, the situation is that Bernard Purdy, God bless him, instead of just being happy with his lot in life <laughs> and having played on tens of thousands of hit I R&B Franklin, records. B.B. King, Steely Dan, Miles yeah. Davis, The Beatles. Yeah, I mean, and even, let's face it, he also says the Rolling Stones. Now, I, I don't know about that either, but but we'll go below past and Charlie that. Charlie said what? Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, that was good. Oh, Charlie I'm, said I'm what? I'm right there wow. with you. You know what I'm saying? I'm- but Bernard Purdy has gone on record as saying that he played on 21 Beatles songs yeah. and that, quote, Ringo never played on nothing at all. Anything. Ringo didn't play on a damn thing (laughs) of those early recordings. But then he was asked which ones. I have a story. Wait, wait, wait. You'll get... No, go ahead. No, 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 let's get to your story first. Well, at the radio session, WHPC Beatles songs at Fridays, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. (laughs) Plug. Uh, The guy who comes on after me... He's always getting... Yeah, I am always plugging that. (laughs) And it's a great show, and sometimes these guys show up, too. It is a great show, Um, even when we don't show up. Yes, well, yeah. Wow. So the show comes on at midnight. It's the Rare Groove Session, hosted by DJ Solero. So DJ Solero does an interview one day with Bernard Purdy. I think he had a book out or something. I did, I did. So Earl comes in and goes, oh, I found out that Ringo didn't drum on all those songs. And I'm like, what are you talking <laughs> Name about? Name one, you know? And he goes, well, I was talking to uh, Bernard Purdy, and he said he drummed on all those Beatle tracks. I'm like, what? Well, he'll say in the interview that he doesn't remember which ones. Well, but he then does say. When you give him titles, yeah. he'll just keep going, yeah, yeah. yeah. You'd be like, no, I, no. I don't remember what songs he I played on. He actually says. Yeah. He told Max Weinberg in, in, right, from Max's right. book on drummers right, right. that he played on 21 tracks. He says he plays on She Loves You. No, he says, he says right? I remember the one with Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. That's He doesn't remember. I mean, you know. I remember the that's one. That's the one he always with, says. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. look, there are a, a ton of timeline issues. There are a ton of American, British issues with this. Yes. And I will credit, very much credit, a website. Now, those of you out there, if you go to uh, com and you 
search for that. There's a wonderful timelines timeline that basically we won't get on to. We won't get on, but I will tell you this: a musician, right? Yes, yes, and he undoubtedly, undoubtedly disproves this myth. Correct. Now we should say what he drummed on. Wait, wait. That's what we're getting to. That's why we're in Germany still. But but it's funny because he said Bernard Purdy claims that Brian Epstein. (laughs) Because flew we know him right. to Capitol Records, 46th Street in New York City Studios. Right, because we know that Brian Epstein came and actually he, produced a number of Beatles recording <laughs> sessions. Yeah, well, yes. we know that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, like like George Martin would say, Brian, go to New York and take these tracks. Yes, here. and have them over. I won't yes. be with you. Well, I won't be but with I you. I trust but, you. And please put my name on them and, afterwards. And New York City, Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Yes, absolutely. Brian. And the New York City studios yeah. are much better than the, yeah, much than better than our studios yes. because they'll sound better. Of course. Yes. Now, mind Without you, he was overdubbing supposedly because the British tracks had already been done and in the can and in some. And cases, of course, there were released. so many open tracks. Oh, yeah. So many open tracks yeah. on but, the Beatles. Recordings. But the British ones were released. If you read the timeline, it's actually funny. So people have gone back. This guy, in particular, and have listened to the exact tracks for the stereo, the mono, the UK, the the uh, American. And on most of them, there's no difference whatsoever. And if there was, you would have heard them because the UK was released, you know, a week Especially, before. Especially, very importantly, again, I go back to modern technology. If you were to take a lot of these recordings and set them out of phase, yes, right. If you took these recordings and made them you out of phase, hear it. you would absolutely you would be it. able to discern overdubbed drums. Now. Back to what we were saying. Well, well even where, slow down where John double tracks his voice and does two different tracks. Right. Yes. You hear that. Yeah. You're going to hear an overdub. He's not going to do it the exact same way Ringo no, did it. No. And then take Ringo out. So, where do we go from there? Can Germany. I, I thought we're staying in Germany. Can I, can I, can I give the answer? Go ahead. The Tony Sheridan tapes, because when America got a hold of the tapes, they said this drummer doesn't sound very good. And, what and it label, wasn't even and Ringo. What, and what label had them? Um, Polydor. Polydor. But who had them here? Atco. Which was the home of what? All of the great soul Soul. stuff. Right. So Bernard Purdy was basically a house drummer Drummer, for Atco. And Atco was located where? New York City. New York City. So it's it's funny because when we got the Time Life edition, the Bear Family thing before that, of the two discs and they have the overdubs, the stereo, all the different overdubs, you hear the differences. And it's like, absolutely. did they have to do it? Probably at that point, no. Well, but they felt they had to because, you know, the drums were so thin because it's it not Pete. a lot on. It was but Pete. It was Pete. But he, he had a, a lot of his drums taken away. Well, it's right. funny enough because that's the funny thing about it on the, uh, in the beginning album, I think it's called here. Yes. 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 You can hear the extra drum roll on Ain't She Sweet. Right. Totally. I mean, totally. It, yes, it was overdubbed. It was Bernard Purdy. But Purdy claims... That he overdubbed the drumming for the first three albums in '63. Yeah, a total of 21 tracks. That's what but, he keeps saying. And he said he got paid five figures to shut up. Right. First of all, he can't produce any stubs. Oh, he cashed the checks and just. I that guess was like, that was my receipt. That right. was my exactly. Yeah, and go. there's nothing on any log in New York City. No of, musicians union logs. I mean, right. that I can believe that they didn't want. It, maybe they didn't want it known that a Beatle recording was being overdubbed because they were remember, trying to present it as the history, this is the Beatles. But you also, the union musicians back then, and the Wrecking Crew's on the West Coast, uh, Purdy's on the uh, East Coast, those guys 
unless it was a huge amount of money to be paid you know, under the table, they built up their pension by making sure they were on that musician union's you know, sheet. Right. So if he's doing right. you know, the Beatles in 1964, no one knows we're going to be talking about 50 years later. Right. It's just another band. So he, I'm sure if he would have said, I want to make sure I'm on the musicians' union paperwork. Right. You know, so right. American Federation of Musicians or whatever is being used. Now, there is a Bernard Purdy connection to George Martin. Okay, go ahead. Who is the drummer on the soundtrack for Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band? Not a clue. Bernard Purdy. Wow. If you look at the line of notes. So maybe Bernard Purdy actually time traveled. When he did those tracks in 1964, he actually time traveled to 1978. Right. And actually recorded all of Ringo's material that hadn't even been written yet. Wow. Went back to 64. Wait, now we've really solved it. I really wait. I just saw Rod Serling. I remember when I I picked up the soundtrack. The Beatles. And, uh, you know, as we all do, we read the liner notes. And I'm like, Bernard Purdy. I go, could have he gotten confused that he was playing on the soundtrack album? No, and George Martin's the producer. And But he said 63. Right, but at the same time, maybe he's just... Well, first of all... Dude, if, he's, if, if whatever he was smoking was that good, he could have just made enough money for life just selling whatever yeah, that crap was I, well, he was the other smoking. Thing is, and this is the telling thing. He said it in 70-something. He said it again in 80-something. He said... I'm not going to mention the 21 tracks because I'm going to put it in a book. Right. It's going to be in my book, mm. and I'm not going to say anything to all the exclusive to my book. We're talking 35, 40 years now since he's made this claim, and no book. No yeah. book yet, babe. Why not? No book yet, babe. Because it's not true. Because it ain't true. Because he's reading, the, he's he's reading probably, the liner notes of the uh, yeah. RSO release going, oh, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> uh, oh, so, that's what I always thought he was a little confused by. And we do know that he you know, he did the Tony Sharp. And I hate to say, but it's possible that somebody forwarded him a copy of the type of stuff that this gentleman Jim Valens did. And just basically had him go, oh, well, now they're now on I'm to done. Me. Right. No book. Right. So. Cause, all right. Would you, I mean, that would have been such an easy book to disprove. I mean... Well, look, you know if, what? If he like wants to put said, out a man, book like like Hal Blaine or something, yeah. where I I did this drumming and right. this drumming, great. You don't have to mention the Beatles. No, you can just mention talk the Beatles, about what else you, you said, did. The right. soundtrack, yeah, awesome. And you could even mention, hey, look, I've since found out I have been spreading rumors about I I since found it's out a whole it was, chapter unto itself. Right, I I've since found out it was for a re-release or a re-release in 1964 or whatever it was. It, you know what? I if think I'm it, him, was it, 68 I or nine. Let it let it let it yeah, be. But, let it be. Let but it be. What, what in the beginning was released in seventy, I think. Well, it, was, it came out with the Paul's dead part, so it'd be 6970. I remember getting it as a first generation, buying it because it had the Beatles on it. The, well, that's the, the candle out. <laughs> no, no, not that one. Oh, in the, which no, one? no, that's in a different the beginning one. is the one where the they have the yeah, okay. newspaper on yeah, okay, the cobblestone. Okay, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the menorah actual, one. It's a, no, <laughs> menorah. Yeah, that was called Come Together, actually. Uh, at Brian Epstein's menorah. <laughs> nice. It was a gatefold. Right. It, it, and it actually had some. It's a good packaging. You know, it that is whole a very thing. good packaging. Except, I'll be honest, when I was seven or eight and hearing all the Beatles stuff and thinking this is a new Beatle album, right. you put it on and, and I was very disappointed. Well, As a young fan, I was. Right. Because it wasn't right. what I... Right. Historically, it's great. Yeah. But 
I wasn't into the history because the Beatles weren't broken up then. Right. So it was. And interestingly yeah. enough, good quote um, so from George on the back. Here it is. Ain't she sweet? Was also performed by the Beatles. I mean, just reading something offline, but someone actually saying it was recorded June twenty third, nineteen sixty one, with Pete Best on drums. Yep. And then Bernard Purdy on drum overdubs. When? Really, it says released in, I don't know if this is right, released in May 1964 for Polydor. Yeah, Polydor and Atlantic shared, or ATCO. So, yeah, so Purdy sharing. did do them they in 64. They four. That's correct. Uh, well, he said 63. Yeah, so, well, you're right, it had to be, if it was released in 64, it was probably 63. Yeah. But anyway, so we've gotten out of Germany, but... but Please, let's, let's get, out, we'll of get out of Germany. And we're, I'm uncomfortable we're here. On our way to America... Way, just, just a Rob Leonard uh, thing. You mentioned Hal Blaine, who was the drummer on rock and roll for most of the tracks, not all of them. But some, at least the Phil Spector stuff. The rock and roll album. Rock and roll album, I'm sorry. I don't know. Who was Hal it? Blaine. It was? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, I yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. For some reason, I thought it was Jim Gordon. No. No. So. Hal Blaine, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, while wow. we talk about Hal Blaine and while we get on a plane and fly over from Germany back to America, we're going to take a quick break here on Fab Four Free For All. Hi, folks. This is Tony from Fab Four Free For All. As Mitch has mentioned several times, the cast of Fab Four Free For All do not profit in any way doing these shows for all of you. In fact, we actually lose money because of studio time and other production expenses. Now, we have looked into show sponsors, but for a number of reasons, we've decided it would be in the best interest of all of us, including you, our listeners, not to have sponsored ads in our shows. So, what we've done is set up a Patreon account. Patreon is a crowdfunding platform that allows artists to obtain funding from patrons on a recurring basis. Now, it can be as little or as much as you think you can send to us for the work that we put into providing quality Fab Four free-for-all shows. Now, we know that we have thousands of worldwide listeners, and if each of you just contributed a dollar a month, that's just 25 cents per episode, we would have enough to retire and not have to do these shows. Sorry. Seriously, though, we've gotten some great feedback from everyone about how much these shows mean to you, and we feel the same way. But it would be nice if we could break even in terms of costs so that we can continue to bring these shows to you in a timely fashion. Yeah, I know, we can be delayed every once in a while, but that's because, as John Lennon so beautifully said, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. But we do vow to make every effort to have a quality show to you every week. We only ask that everyone go and visit Patreon.com to at least check out what it's all about and to see if you can contribute a little something in return for all the hard work and effort that we put into these shows for you. Just do a search for Fab Four Free For All and tell us that you give a buck about what we do. Thanks to all of you for being such great loyal listeners. And we're back on Fab Four. Free for all as we talk about the mything pieces of the... Be- oh, I'm sorry. We talk about mythical Beatles situations, Beatle myths, hits and myths. A lot of myths. A lot of myths. And, um... And they have paternity suits. And and a lot of paternity suits. Myth. And we're actually going to get out of Germany. not as many as they thought. Well, they, because they were paid for. <laughs> Even so. And before we continue with anything else sorted, let's jump ahead a what little bit. What do you mean bit. Sorted. Well, there's, there's one more sordid rumor we'll have to take oh, on a little bit. He has a sword. How you doing? But I'm going to kind of jump ahead to a quote oh. that we can get rid of this very quickly. Very quickly. Those of you who may have read this over the years or even passed it along over the years, or as I will admit that I did before finally deciding to explore this, 
uh, as being a possible myth. Because There's, the quote is is highly volatile. It, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and believable. Believable because of because, the situation. Well, and, well, because of when he would have said it. Right. And, and I, anytime I heard this rumored quote attributed to John Lennon. I would say, got to be 71, man. It's got to be something that, like, it wasn't in Lennon Remembers, but he had to have done some other obnoxious interview at that time. And, or you 70. Know, right. Or, well, you know, but but all yeah, I we'll kept thinking was, he was friends with him at that point Say with Ringo. Say what the quote is. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, it has to do with Ringo. Uh, when asked if R- he thought Ringo was the best drummer in the world, John Lennon replied, Ringo's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. But that's a joke thing. That's but it's also a not true if thing. If it was well, true, though, true. it would totally yeah. be John Lennon. Yeah. But, but if it joke. was true, it would be one of the problems that the Internet has. Is that Abe people, Lincoln is quoted on the Internet, okay? Well, that's the thing. They'll put quotes and they'll put like a person's face. John Lennon. And, yeah, a lot. And there's a lot of John Lennon stuff. A lot stuff. of garbage, too. And I always look at it and go, geez, where's that? Like what you said, Tony, where did that come from? Right. And you're not sure. They never say... Where the interview it's from because it's like a picture of him and then the and quote. Quotes. And Isn't this beautiful? and I know I know people send this stuff around, but you know sometimes it's like did someone just make this crap up and then put John Lennon's name on because it's the internet. And, and damn you, Al Gore. I always worry about some of these quotes. I've read a lot of John Lennon interviews. I always liked reading his. Me interviews. too. Yeah. Absolutely. Because depending on the day, you know. You got it. Yeah, he's either John Lennon. entertaining or anger inciting yeah. or whatever. Just you know, you know that's why I like reading the Lennon remembers book, and then you know you read the Playboy interview. You know sometimes or better still now even even said. you you read Lennon remembers and then you hear it and then you listen and to it's Lennon two remembers. different interviews and, and it's two different interviews because you take it the way you want to take it when you're reading it. Like yes. you can picture him being angry and then you hear it and he's not. He's not that angry. And and for those who don't know, if you go to iTunes and you t- type in John Lennon, the Rolling Stone interview is on there, the entire thing. Yes. It's in five parts. It's extraordinary to listen to because you guys are right. If that had come out just as an interview like that, no, that book would never have been published. And, never. And, and, you know, look. Because it wouldn't have done anything. No. Right. Listen, you can in a tell moment, the, the tone of an email now. Sure. Where you could be sure. totally kidding, but, you know, unless you write LOL, LOL, you know. Or put that, the colon in the... I'm not putting my colon anyway. <laughs> no, but it's true. It's it's let's eat grandma versus let's eat comma grandma. Right. You right. mentioned that in another yeah. episode recently. Right. And, yep. you know, but the idea being that <laughs> would John even have said as a joke... Ringo, no. the best drummer in the world. Ringo's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. You know, I mean, would John have said like that George as a joke? The now. best drummer in the Beatles. I yeah. think he would have said it if other people were around him. As a he joke. would have said it as, as a, a joke. gag yes, yes. or whatever. He may have. You know he what? Was truthfully, close with Ringo, and he wouldn't have done if, that. If John and Paul had had a, an interview together in 1974, the day after Toot and a Snore, John may have made the crack in front of Paul just but, to be obnoxious right. or to be. Fun. But here's where we're going. The evidence is that that John Lennon never said this. In fact, again, this time I will directly attribute to our friend Mark Lewison, who did research on this and said, in fact, that the quote comes from a comedian named Jasper Carrot from the UK. That's a joke in itself, just Jasper Jasper Carrot. Carrot. Come on. Which was made in 1983, three years after John's death, that that line was said in jest. So, no, John Lennon never said that uh, Ringo Starr uh, was not the best drummer like, in the like world. Like you said, if he would have said it in anger, 
It right. would have been in the beginning of the breakup, 70, 71. Ringo was on every Ringo album. Ringo was on every album. And in 1973, John wrote, I'm the greatest, and gave it to, to him. To Ringo. Right. Well, you didn't read the other part. The, the part that was missing from the notes of I'm the greatest right. is, I'm the greatest, except if it's in the Beatles. You know? Right, except for if Paul's in the room playing drums. Exactly. Right. Yeah. All right. We're going to jump back uh, now. Kiss myself. Uh, jump Hi. back. Well, be kissing, but not of yourself. Oh, um, ew. Nice. We're going to go back now. This one's not. <laughs> this we're going one, to a foreign country, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, we're going to a foreign country, yeah. I we're, know where we're going. We're going, we're going to Spain. Yeah, we have to go here. It's the, and, one of the biggest myths around. And I will tell you, I used to, I used to have fun with this one <laughs> because I, and I'll tell the story later. But my dear friend Ray Coleman, I used to have such a good time with this. Tell the myth. On the twenty eighth of April in nineteen sixty three, John <laughs> and Brian Epstein went on holiday in Barcelona, Spain, where it was legal to be gay. Where it was legal to be gay. George Ringo and Paul went to uh, Santa <laughs> Cruz. I'm depressed. And. Rumors have abounded for years and years and years and years and years <laughs> that somewhere during the course of that visit that John Lennon and Brian Epstein uh, had a romantic relationship. Had a romantic relationship. Yeah. I mean, that's really the simplest without, you yes, know. Yes, without and, getting graphic. Right. The irony and the strangeness of this mythology is, and I don't mean to you know, sound all Seinfeld on you, but not that there's anything wrong with that. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like the truth is. In reality, and I'm not sure to be, but who the hell cares? I mean, we're we're experts, so we have to care. We get paid to care. We don't, we don't get really paid. have to care, but but you know what I mean. It We've, would have been a bigger deal in '64, '5, and '6. Oh yeah, of course. Not With, now. Yes, but there are certain. Yes. I mean, we if, have if evolved it, a little bit. The the interesting part of it is, if it came out now that there was something, and no pun intended, if it came out now that there was proof positive, you know. Th- Photos, you know. I mean, there was oh, some. No, but I'm being serious. If there's some guy in Spain, I was there. You know, yeah. I, I heard everything. You know, but it's true. If if you think about, you know, had there been proof positive come out right now about the mythology and the myth of of John and and Brian having had some kind of relationship when they were in Spain, truthfully, it would it would be kind of a wow that changes history a little bit. Next, to some who people. cares. To no, some people, well, still, yeah, to those there who... There are still some people who I are, suppose, right, there are probably on, people who are... Yeah. Are going to be, yeah. oh my goodness, John, now it's I don't love every, you. Yeah, now yeah it ruins all of your music because right, you, mm-hmm. you know... Yeah. Um, I, I don't... Well, uh, there, there's, there's a couple of things. First of all, Pete Schotten, it was in his book that he sort of said this. Yes. I remember Pete did an interview, I want to say it was with Beatle Fan, and they asked him why he put that in there, and he said, well, Nicholas Schaffner kept asking me about it. Well, so, wait, tell what he said, because... Well, he's, he wanted, Nicholas wanted to know if, if John and, and Brian had, you know... Had a romantic had relationship. Had their rom- romantic relationship, and... Now, I just have to say this, because I just don't know. Was Nicholas Schaffner gay? Yes. Yes, he, he was. was. Okay. So, you know, he kept asking, and finally he said, you know, Pete shot and knew, and he, he just said what had happened. What he said was, if, if you don't mind me... No, no, no. He said that John confided that Epi was always coming on to John... Right. And right. that until the day where John pulled down his pants and said, all right, then stick it up, then. I mean, and, you know, that's uh, what Pete said. Mm. After that, Epi actually declined and said he didn't like doing that. It wasn't his style and that he liked to touch instead of, mm. you know, the 
right. that way. Right. So right. I don't want to get gross and graphic. No, 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 need to. no, no, no. So that no, was what we're, Pete we're said. talking right. about myths, but, and this is right. Right. So right. that doesn't mean it happened. No, it doesn't. It, it, no, it, it, it just, and it's. I don't think it's disparaging to Pete Shotton to say no. that it might. You know, and who knows? And I'm not saying it could have been after a couple of drinks at the pub, and maybe a drunken John was saying, you know, I should have just said, you know what. Yeah, Just stick it up. Who knows? And, yeah, we weren't there. And we weren't there for the but, conversation between John Lennon and Pete Shotton. So but, we don't know what Pete but then again, really John, heard. Because Lord knows you don't go back to John the next right, day and say, right. oh, John, by the way, last night when you were talking to me about you and Brian, right. you, you know, uh, could you uh, talk about it again in sober terms? Yeah, right. yeah. No. How'd that go on? Then again, Bob Wooler made a joke about it. And John kicked the crap, kicked out, the crap of him. out of him. Yeah, that was nice. which. Let's face it, which is yeah. you, you don't know, know that, which way that's going. Right. You know, the rea- right. is it the reaction that so- someone's even being accused of being gay, or, or the was it the reality it. that it happened? Because sure. never know. Bob sure. Wooler was very. They thought he was going to sue. There was yeah. a lot. You know, he he was, he was damaged for a while. Yeah, he broke a tooth, a couple yeah, of teeth, yeah, or something it was, like that. It was, it was a, um, a huge fight there. You know, the situation too is that later, and I won't even, but. This is just a personal thing for me. I don't really take Peter Brown. I know the Peter Brown book was lumped in with Stephen Gaines, and that was a lot of what the well, problem was. Co-writers, co-writers. Yeah. But I, I don't put a lot of credence into the things that come out of Peter Brown. Me neither. So, and I don't say that, to, but that's my personal but opinion. Peter Brown in the said years that, of that my Epstein liked oral sex. Right. So you could right. take what you want from there if, if he wasn't. Doing it the other way, you know what happened? They had a romantic relationship that and, way, and apparently, you oh. know, Brian was was so was so happy that it it had happened that he he confided in in Peter Brown. Peter Brown, right? That it had happened. Well, and, they, and, they did you know, work together. There wasn't a lot of people in that circle to begin with. Now, my feeling is, here's where it would have come out. I'm being very straightforward. Had <laughs> this occurred, Bad choice of words. No, but really, had this actually occurred. You know where it would have come out in the open even more? Something that we were all directly part of when it debuted. It would have happened with Vivek. And Not the with reason, Vivek, but he would have, he would have right. known. What would have happened is, <laughs> let's face it, Vivek had some a very, very revealing set of interviews with Nat Weiss. And Nat Weiss spoke about his relationship with Brian Epstein as a friend and talked about Brian, the, the gay aspect of Brian Epstein's life in very intense detail. Nat Weiss was a gay friend of Brian Epstein's. Do you really think, with all of the trust that Brian put in Nat Weiss, that Brian would not have confided in Nat Weiss that he had at one point had a gay relationship with John? Well, we should also mention the, the movie, the play, that was done. It yes. was fictional. And people sometimes forget that. What was it called? Hours and times. Hours and times. Yeah. And it was what may have happened. This is why I really am not a fan of fan fiction. Because you all of a sudden create something that's not. Well, John Lennon went to the moon today in his spaceship that he made with uh, leftover uh, cans that he found in the road. And then, cool. you know, 50 years from now, well, John Lennon went to the moon. And yeah. cans he made, he found said he saw UFOs, so he must and, have gone to the moon. And, and, well, you know, if his name was John 
Lenonsky. Lenonsky, yeah. yeah. Then at least we know we, we know everything else about it, but, but it does, changed the name. It does clearly say at the beginning of the film, though partly based on events in the lives of Brian Epstein and John Lennon, the following film is entirely fictitious. The producers make no representation that any such events that are depicted in the film ever occurred. Then why make the movie? Exactly. Because, because exactly. you know what? Because you're using two famous people. Right. And That's also, too, yeah. but if it was... Mitch Axelrod and Rob Leonard, no, no offense, you know, but and hours and times, no one would give a crap about the movie no, because but, it would just be about two gay but guys. But then again, I mean, whatever. But, I mean, but we're not. But Mitch, but, you could take that. But I'm just saying because you know it's I'm going to edit that really well, right? That yeah, I know. Thing. So you two are going to come out <laughs> in the closet in this episode. Out? Okay, yeah. good. But seriously, though, they're using they're sensationalizing because they can because they have. But here's two the question, though, people. guys: right. what, no what one would give a crap. What made that film any less? Why should that film have not been made and the two of us been made? The one about John and Paul. Why should that film have not been made or... I agree with any, you. It's the same any, situation. I agree. I, I'm right. not a, and no offense to the writers who write it, and we've met some of you, but I'm not a fan fiction person. Two of us happen to be a decent uh, Two of us VH1 was a decent, movie. but at the same time, two, totally John fiction. and Paul walking through Central Park and, and no, no one <laughs> is, is knowing who they are. And, at the and height no of Paul McCartney's yes, fame. Yes, yes. I mean, Especially because I was following two of them around with a tape recorder. And that's, <laughs> no, but I mean... No, that was 74. Hours and times, if I'm not mistaken, Ian Hart played John Lennon. Yeah. Yes. And Ian Hart was Fantastic. also... Yes, but he was also in, um, I want to say... Backbeat, Ian Hart. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I think uh, so. So he had connections. You know, to, he looked just like John Lennon. Well, he looks like John Lennon at that time. Yeah, but but it, again, you're right. Good point. Hours and times, two of us. Right. Same sort of thing. The two people involved in both stories are gone. Well, no, because Paul was in two of us. Yeah. But, oh, I see but, what you mean. Yeah. But I'm saying yeah. the two sets of people have not ever told those stories to that extent. And you can't just take what they have said, like Paul said, I was there and we, we could have gone. You can't make a two-hour film out of that sentence mm, and right. expect it to be plausible. I mean, again, especially since what Rob said, they're in Central Park, no one knows them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So many other That's things. My favorite are, scene. Well, like some of the, look, it was well done if you're, if you're looking I, I for agree. fiction. It's for fan total, fiction. Total fiction. I, I, it was actually, well done. I actually agree but with you. So, I haven't seen the hours and, and, and times, and they but actually people had, said it was good. They actually had, like, real quotes in there, too. Yes. And I know yes, fan but, fiction does that, which makes it interesting to watch to see how they use it. Well, yeah, yes, sure. how they you know, build sure. around a real quote. Yes. And then... Turn that into fiction, but they right. add you know the fun elements like you know like Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley showing up halfway through and stuff like that. Like they add on things right. that were. I'm sorry, that's just you, making see, totally you, making you were making up fan fiction. <laughs> totally making up fan fiction. And, you know, I was that the hours and times because yeah. they did kiss. Right? <laughs> oh, but that was. You know what I want to see? I want to see gonna... when Vivek makes the movie because it's going to be turned his book. Simon Cowell yeah. is gonna, production gonna make company. A, a, yeah. I guess a real movie, not a. A base. It's yeah, not, it's not going to be a cartoon. No, no, no. <laughs> I want to see if they include that or if they just skip it over because it. That no, is, not they will skip include it because they, it, they it is no because it is in the graphic novel and right. and I'm gonna I'll read quotes from John about the incident. Yep. And this is relating to the vacation. It was my first experience with a homosexual that I was conscious was homosexual. Well, I thought he was just conscious. He. Had, <laughs> It was the first That's experience terrible. with a homosexual, and I was That's conscious. Wow. <laughs> I think this is from the Playboy interview, if I'm not Yes. Uh, he had admitted it to me. We had this holiday together 
because Sin was pregnant, Cynthia Lennon, and I went to Spain and there were lots of funny stories. We used to sit in a cafe in Torremolinos looking at all the boys and I'd say, do you like that one? Do you like this one? I was rather enjoying the experience, thinking like a writer all the time. I'm experiencing this, experiencing this, you know? And while I was out on the tiles one night or lying asleep with a hangover one afternoon, I remember playing him the song Bad to Me that was a commission song done for Billy J. Kramer, another of Brian's singers. Another quote, I went on holiday to Spain with Brian, which started all those rumors that he and I were having a love affair. Well, it was almost a love affair, but not quite. It was never consummated, but we did have a pretty intense relationship. The two guys loved well, each other. Obviously. That's it. That, and that's fine. And that's it. And that's all. That's, and now, but there's one more thing. Well, there's probably a couple of things, but I was thinking of the anthology. Right. There's a, a scene where they have to, um, you got to hide your love away, and it's with Brian Epstein, and... When they put it together, uh, I guess whoever put it together didn't realize that that song has been maybe associated that John wrote it for Brian about his homosexuality. Sure. Yeah, sure. And they, the per- people putting it together didn't realize this. They left it in. Well, maybe they but, did realize it. Well, he, he, at the time, they, was, they, they were like, well, hold it. Maybe you shouldn't have that in there. So it's interesting. I, I look forward to the movie. Part of the... You know, the attraction of Brian Epstein to the Beatles, besides, you know, something different in his life, is that, you know, John Lennon was a very interesting character for Brian Epstein. But at the same time, though, as I think, by the time, and I'm really speculating here, by the time Brian Epstein would have gone to Spain with John Lennon, I really genuinely think that the attraction was over because John proved not to be the tough ass that Brian originally thought he was. Brian was attracted to guys who were pretty rough. I mean, Brian's whole well, thing... Well, a lot of that's in Peter Brown's book. Is in Pe- but it's also in Vivek's yeah. book also, that Brian was attracted to seedy characters. That was oh. always Brian's way. And John was, was writing poetry books by this point. This was something that I really genuinely don't think by then... Look, it was somebody who I had a thing for once, but... You know, we're now closer than that. We're now beyond well, that. Well, we're know. now closer than that. Right. It's like you meet, a, well, well, we'll make it a, a guy-girl thing. Just you meet a girl and you, you work with her and you're attracted to her. But then after a while, she's like a sister. Yes. And you're like, yeah. well, I can't make a move now because. Well, you're in sister. the friend zone. What's yeah, the, you're the, the, the line. in the friend zone, yeah. Yeah. Now, playing devil's advocate, I used to have a hell of a lot of fun with this because my dear friend Ray Coleman, who wrote the book Lennon, who is no longer with us, God rest his soul, I used to have so much fun with him because he really, he, he loved John dearly. He thought John was an absolute genius. And, well, he wanted to go to Spain with him. Yeah, very nice. Sorry. No, not that way. I'm kidding. But he, no, but he, he really, really, really loved John. And he would always talk about how John was so wonderfully open-minded and how John was so just expanded all of our horizons by all the things he did and how brilliant John was now, Jim. So, but then when you got to this, I'd say, you know, so Ray, what do you think? Did, uh, did John do Brian in Spain? And Ray would get, no, of course not. No, John was very, was heterosexual. John was, was profoundly heterosexual and blah, blah, blah. I know, and, uh, I did him. And, uh, right, <laughs> right. No, but the humorous part of it was, I would say, but Ray, you really love John because he's so open-minded and so willing to try anything and now you're saying that he wouldn't wouldn't have a homosexual experience and Ray would just kind of go <laughs> you know and, get, and just get so you know like he'd want to punch me over that one and then let's flash to it I'm not trying to be but let's go to the bag one lithographs 
which later people have interpreted as that having been a menage a trois with him and Tony Cox and, and Yoko. In the that's thing. a whole other thing. It is, but I'm yeah. just saying, you know. So anyway, th- that sort of, I think that's... There's a whole lot of hoo-ha. By, whole lot by, of, by the no, way, no, I have to say, yeah. Anthony, your, your, your impersonation of Ray Coleman sounds like our good friend Richard Buskin. <laughs> What? Oh my lord, Richard, I'm sorry. <laughs> what? He, he sound, you sound I like Did I do Ray British? I didn't even remember doing it. I well, know you I, did I Ray. Do, nice. You no, did, I did. do I do British impersonations without even realizing I'm doing it, you yeah, know, which is so. even more silly, you know. Basically for me, I think um you know, just to quickly touch on on Paul McCartney's one known comment about <laughs> I didn't the know situation. where you were going with that. I was probably going to touch <laughs> upon Paul McCartney's... Wow, um, will are, you stop it? One. Wow. What? Brian Epstein, this is Paul McCartney. Paul said, Brian Epstein was going on holiday to Spain at the same time, and he invited John along. John was a smart cookie. Brian was gay, and John saw his opportunity to impress upon Mr. Epstein who the boss of the group was. I think that's why he went on holiday with Brian. And good luck to him, too. He was that kind of guy. He wanted Brian to know whom he should listen to. That was the relationship. And he knew Brian was attracted to him. Right. So he could influence. Of course. He definitely played him. John was very much the leader in that way, although it was never actually said. So, you know. Listen, whether it's true or not, and it's not for us to say whether it is true or not. No, of course not. Of course not. I have no clue in this world. It doesn't matter now. No. No, but again, we it bring it out. It may have mattered during the Beatles because it could have been one of those things like the Love Children we just talked about or, or Mona Best. Well, if you All think about it. All of those things would have had a publicity kill yes. on the Beatles. And if you think about it, if Brian was going to make any kind of advance, he would be much better off trying to do it in a country where it was legal than to try and do it in Britain. And God forbid being caught or anything like that. Well, also, so it's for- just. That, that's you a know, good point. Yeah, even even just the thought of you know, if Brian why, had made a move. Yeah, like you, why they, and, let's you know. say they'd gone to Wales or something instead of you know, right, Spain. Right, right. But can you right. imagine, though, the impact it would have had on sales because women were screaming for the Beatles, not the boyfriends, you know, the women. So, unless you were in France <laughs> in, in that tour right before Sorry, girls, she's married. Well, yeah, but but imagine. Sorry, Sorry girls, girls, he's gay. gay. I mean, <laughs> and, and or then you'd be bi, like, anyway. Well, Sorry. Bi, or well, actually, you know what? Then <laughs> you didn't know about bi. No, that's true. But yeah, that was right. all hidden. Right, you know, true. so can you imagine, though? I mean, the sales of, I mean, just the girls who were screaming now, what they would be screaming if, if that Head, ever came out. Headline in date book. John Lennon once in band camp. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> wow. Anyway, that definitely, you know, really covers that whole idea and that whole story. Other myths or ideas, and again, like I said, we're not going to cover Paul is Dead here because that's no. just a whole we, we lengthy thing. we got five, thing. two, and three on this down We've road. got, yeah, absolutely. Myth, at um, least. Do we? Well, we got Paul is Dead. That's a, that's a that's big a one. Big we can one. make that. And we can talk about something. This isn't really a myth. And Mitch, you, you've interacted with Yoko or no? No. And Rob, you've never had an interview with Yoko? No. Okay. I'd like to. So I, I have, do I, we all, we're all. I, I have the show idea. I have to write to her. One okay. Time. We're all fans of Yoko's music. We're all. I, hey, you know, I played Y last night on my show. Cool. Yeah, we, and and I always we play all stuff. asked that question. Nice. No, but I always play Yoko right. stuff on my show. But um, well, I played it because John plays great guitar. I still think you sound like a cross between Tony Sheridan and Patti Smith when we do that. But anyway, because the night Y. Anyway, we've we've never interviewed Yoko. We have spent time with May Pang, and. The deal is that there's always been the myth constantly, despite the fact that May wrote two, fair, I thought, fairly heartfelt books 
about her well the second, time with John. The time second with John, book was more her relationship. Yeah, and, yeah, and but but it's from still from the heart and still right. showing some some images this time that kind of you really can't but deny. Pictures say a thousand loving words. Loving John, right? Yes, which and she it, hated as a title. Yes, yeah. but it was a good book. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's, it's, and, and that book comes across very. It does sincere. come across sincere. gossipy. No, it's and, and the reality known. is that anything that she talked about that she said was fact, that wasn't known at the time, right. has since been proven yes. to be fact. Yeah. So, so, the deal is that there has always been the myth that Maypang. It was this. We know that the situation was set up, but Maypang was simply a distraction. And that John still loved Yoko the whole time, which which may, well, certainly may be possible. I'm not saying that's a myth, right. but this is a lost weekend. When he had thing. the lost weekend, and that's the phrase that's gone around. And which John, it's John's phrase. It is John's phrase, which is based on the Ray Milland movie where Ray Milland is a drunk the entire time. Right. Which we know now that John wasn't drunk the entire time. Right. There was yes, sometimes that he was hammered. Right. And embarrassed himself. But he wasn't hammered when he was producing Neil Sunley. He wasn't hammered doing Walls and Bridges. He wasn't hammered. He had great stuff come out. Yeah. Walls and Bridges is arguably one of his best albums. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so, it was in Yoko until Yoko took out Mays. She yeah. didn't take it out. It, it's She's in the video, I think. Yeah. See, that's a myth, too, because <gasps> a, there's... A myth upon a myth. Because Yoko did not take out May's voice. But I think there was a video. They redid a video, and, and Yoko, I think, is in it. But I think that's where this started, because I don't want to mention well, anything. To tell what song we're talking about, too. Right? Um, Number Nine Dream. Number, Number nine, nine, dream. nine Dream. Yes. And the videos have been changed along the way. That's something else, many, too. Many, many times. Uh, so if you like have the John Lennon video collection on Laserdisc or uh, VHS, do not give it away, because the, the versions that were in Lennon Legend or the ones that came with um, Power to the People, the hits. Very different. They're very different. They've been yes. re-edited for whatever reason. You know, I'm not going to ask why. Well, actually, I would ask why, but why? I'm not going to speculate why. Patty. And then I'm not talking about Yoko's version of why. Yeah. So there are different videos. And, like, whatever gets you through night, the one I saw, which we all saw. There's, like, four different versions. Right, but the, one, the original one is John going through Central Park with... The footage taken by college. I think the guy was in college and he was in the was park. A, yeah, and he yeah. sees John and he says, "Hey, can I take some video of him?" He said, "Yes." Yeah, sure. Go ahead. And it's like thirty-five minutes. He's of dancing. Footage. He's doing everything. Oh, I love it. Great. Yeah. I wish the whole thing would come out on the handsome cab. John, and all that John, stuff too. Um, Yoko bought the footage years ago. So, yeah, and she just put it, she put some some of it in beef jerky. I think too. Yes, there's yeah, like she, a, a there's like 35, 40 seconds in that. Yeah, but anyway, the myth being that. John's relationship with May was all completely superficial and yada, yada, yada. May talks about in, in the, the book that, and has said in interviews, that the relationship with John continued well into uh, after John had returned to Yoko. Again, that's the kind of thing that some people don't want to hear, don't want to know, you know, and certainly Yoko would probably say is an untruth. We don't know. But well, Yoko might not have known about it. You know, exactly. Maybe she knows about it now, but maybe at the time, you know. They, of course. You know, they, they had a, John and Yoko had a, a very unique relationship. They had that thing where they're, they're together all the time, and when they were together all the time, they would, you know, it's John and Yoko, one word. But, you know, sometimes you need a little break, too. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I, you're never going to know Yoko's no. never going... First of no. all, Yoko doesn't know May's side of it, and May doesn't know Yoko's side of it, 
other than what John may have said. Right. So never the train shall meet, so to speak. Right. And I was very surprised that May was allowed to be in the excellent documentary Lenin NYC. Yeah. But we found out later that it wasn't really a happy thing there. But you know what? I, I think that myth will – look, there's a lot of myths on there because, John, going back to Yoko, uh, right after the garden, you know, the November no, 20th. Right, which we know was untrue. Right. We it went back in January of, but, but, of but, 75. Right. And we also know that, you know, did Yoko really tell John he, was, she, he should come back for a hypnotist session so yeah. he could stop smoking? Right. Well, let's see. I'm, uh, you're inviting him back to be hypnotized. Then he comes home, comes back and – According to May, then he just shows up, takes his stuff out of the apartment, and goes right. back to Yoko I need again. To go back. Let's go back to Yoko. You know, stay with her for five years, have right. kid. You know, what yes. I mean. So on the one hand, was was know. May being a little trying to imply that it, Yoko had him? You know, it who knows? It yeah. could be that maybe just John wanted to walk away. Look, you never John, know because look, I'm, I'm not saying May didn't have a a sincere purpose for telling her story. She does. And she tells it very well. We don't know if John was just fed up with everything. I mean, you just going don't back know. To, going back to Yoko at that point was probably the path of least resistance. Because right. if he had not gone back to Yoko. They were not divorced. Bingo. Bingo. He already knew how aggressive Yoko was in terms of business. So the truth was, if he stayed with May... And we this is, and we say this with May. We say this with all due respect to you. Yeah. You know, I mean, really. But, but and it's not. It's being disrespectful to John. I think for me to say this. But go ahead. If okay, you know what, honey, we're going to buy a house in Oyster Bay, and they go house hunting. And now John's thinking, oh, if I stay with May, I got to get a divorce. Right. That's the reality. And I got to divorce Yoko. But wait, I am. I still kind of love Yoko. But holy Jesus, if I divorce Yoko, I lose everything. But but also it's like you come to that decision point where all of a sudden you have to make that decision. Right. Yeah. Yes. And and yeah. That, you know it's it's he also I'm wanted going, a kid. Right. Yeah. But and, but and May was a lot younger than Yoko. So in that yeah. respect yeah, wanting maybe. a kid that would fall into May. The only other thought would be if Yoko maybe said to him, you know what, I found out I can... Maybe part of it was that he did want a kid. So he was thinking of staying with May because he loved her. But also, well, gee, if I stay with May, I maybe have the chance to have the family I want. The, the Lost you know. Weekend, part of the problem with talking about The Lost Weekend is that John was so negative about it in the Playboy interview in 1980. Right. That whole time... You know, he, he downplays Walls and Bridges, which to me is his best album. Even Yoko is the number said, one album. Right. Best al- right. her, one of her favorites. He downplays it as just being this drunk, but he wasn't that drunk all the time. He did a lot of music. He, he worked with other people. Got back with Paul. He, but he was drunk, guys. I mean, I'm not sure if he mean, but he was. Oh, no. We got back together with Paul. He was. No, he was not flinging well, out of his mind. That, that, when, I, you know. Not, yeah. yeah, but wait, yeah, but wait, wait, not, wait, 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 wait. Not in hanging out in the photos in the house. Thank you. I know what you're saying. When yeah, they got so, together to make yeah, music. When they you're got together right. to make music, but that doesn't. But yeah, yeah. They he got still together got at the together house. together socially. Yeah, yeah, you see the photos. Paul and, and Linda right. and the kids. And yeah. He's That's not going to be totally out of his and mind. Julian. And Julian. Now, here, let's. let's another relationship. Let's take this the other way and take it a little bit. And again, we're expounding on the myths, but let's take the idea. We're guilty, but. Right, but take the idea of what you were saying. Go ahead. From the time of Yoko having lost their child, you know, that, that we know about in the early, seven, you know, 1969 or whatever it whatever was. Whatever it was. The, uh, it's, it's chronicled on Life with the Lions. Okay. Yeah, so, literally. 
And I think Yoko had miscarried at another point, too. They never, during the whole thing of, of say, 72 to when John left, we didn't hear about them having a kid. We heard of well, all the struggles that were going on. Well, they did say that they needed to get clean before they, they were told. Yes, you, they had to get you clean need before to get they had clean, kids. Or else you're not but now, conceive. John went, had the affair with the woman on the, on the night of the 72 election. Yoko's keeping her distance. Maybe the idea of having a kid or having a family is starting to really weigh on John. And maybe that was part of it. And then John goes back to see Yoko. He's still not sure what he wants to do. And then Yoko says, you know what, John, anything you want, I'll have a kid with you. I'll try and have a kid now. I'm not sure the kid part, but I I think a lot of pressure on John and Yoko comes from the fact that, you know, they're being investigated by the United States government. They're being, what they were doing in 1969, 1970 had had a sense of fun to it. In 72, the protests were a lot more serious, I think. And I think that weighed on both of them, and which is why they, I think they, you know, is why they broke up. You know, in, in the Lennon NYC thing, when Yoko talks about, you know, that John, you know, took that woman in, and brought her into the other room after they found out Nixon had won, you know, her talking about it, that's not something that's part of the John and Yoko myth over no. the years. And here she's talking about it, saying, hey, you know what? He did this too. And then we see the same thing and just to jump people. Uh, George has you know, talked about that in Living in the Material World by Olivia, saying you know, George was popular with the ladies. Well, that might be the right quote, but yeah. George did Red partake. Blooded, yeah. Yeah, you know, with other women. And we like to think that, you know, all our Beatles are, you know, just with their women all the time, but they're also Beatles, and, you know, they get laid any guy. Any well, I mean, they were, they were the most popular four men in the world. Right. And they were young. They were young. We keep thinking there, you know, the Beatles, they were older, but we're talking about, even in the solo era, when the Beatles, 1973, the oldest Beatle was 33. Right. I mean, oh my goodness. I'm 53 right now. I'm an Altacaca. These guys were. Yes, but Mm. these guys were 33 years old, and the youngest was 30. Right. I mean, they could have any woman they wanted. Yeah. And they did. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't the saints that everybody makes them out to you be. Know, and there's nothing wrong with that either. Right? No, it, you know, look at that, but that's their you know, choice. Yeah. So maybe that was John. Well, there is something wrong with that, really, if you're well, there married. Is. I mean, well, if you're married, from standpoint, standpoint, but then again, I would it, never it, do it. Right. It, it never, saying. Women it, it never stopped the Rolling Stones from having a good time. But again, but the thing yeah, is, I mean, again, it may, it's there's nothing wrong with it in the world of rock and roll. Right. In normal people world, oh, yes, with normal yes. morality, you know, yeah, it's wrong. But getting back to what you, you were know. saying, you know, and you were saying, Rob, I do think, though, that the whole aspect of the government watching John and Yoko definitely played a part maybe in them getting back together because I'm not saying that was the motivation for a kid. Right. But, you know, he wanted to stay here. And he got the green card in 76? 76, yeah. Yeah, so he was already back with her, and they had a kid in 75. Right. So maybe the whole, you know, the government is now watching this crazy radical hippie, and now he's settled down and has a kid, and he's got a better home life, he's clean. Sure. I don't know. Maybe it had an impact on things, on their sure. thinking. Their thinking, yeah. not the government. Maybe yeah. that was their thinking. Look, if we settle down now and stop acting like crazy nuts, if we want to stay here, maybe this is what we need to do. Yeah, I don't it know. Wasn't, it wasn't just but that. But we, we're heading to the mid now. The, the yeah. Time, yeah. But the times were rapidly changing, too. So I think you want to fit in with the times, too, as much as you want to stand out in the times. Right. 
Right. So it's interesting. Again, it, and I just don't think May is the reason. Getting back to the original myth here. Right. I think May was a a good influence on John. I think so too. Um, yeah, and I think, I think so anybody. I think would he would have gone that. off the rails completely. I think so May. too. So. Um, and and he did some of his best work in that quote weekend. Well, weekend. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Eighteen months right. of two days. Well. We can go on. There are different other thoughts and, and stories. I'm going to stay away from one thing that we had on our list is the idea, well, Yoko broke up the Beatles. Well, we, we can't get into no, that. No, we all, we all know shows. it's not true. We all know it's not true. I'm no. just putting it out there. No. But, but it's interesting because that myth, that one-sentence myth, which is mind-boggling, still exists among the general public who are not anything sort of beyond there the most are, casual whoa, whoa, Beatle whoa, 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 fans. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, there are uh, major Beatle fans the, who still, still think that. Go, oh, go, go to the Beatle fest, the right. still, still pissed, pissed at Yoko, Yoko. Yeah. or they Why have it on that, a bumper sticker. Oh, and you know what? To me, that's funny. But It is to, funny. It's sure. funny as a shirt, Right. but there are too many people wearing that shirt who are serious. There are a lot of people who hate wow. Yoko... Because they think, well, she brought John to do John wanted to do this. And why yeah. aren't, why isn't there still pissed at Linda? Yeah. Right. She took Paulie away. I, I, mine would say still pissed at John. Or <laughs> yeah. still pissed at, at Keith Richard for st- sticking a load of snort under John's nose. Right. Still right. pissed at John you know, because he really, was a, a, an addict. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and he yeah. broke up the Beatles. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm yeah, saying. Right. Right. That's Yoko, one part. Yoko did not. The Beatles were already breaking up. They, they, they were they started to purposes gone. They Didn't started to break it. up. August 30th. Well, the last show in in, in yeah, San Francisco. Yeah, in 66. August 29th, 1966. I'm thinking August 30th, thinking that's a Hollywood Bowl at 65. Right. August 29th, 1966, that's when they start to break up. They make Sgt. Pepper. It's a long time. George isn't... Not even on it. No, he's uh, on well, it. Well, he's on it. That's but a myth. The, there you go. But he's not on it the way maybe George Harrison should have been. Paul played a lot of guitar on that. Mm-hmm. And then, hey, look, then George leaves and Ringo leaves. See, this is what I love about this show. This whole thing started with me saying, we're not even going to talk about. We're not. (laughs) I'm done. And and, Yoko did not break up the Beatles. No, No, they didn't. They they were on their way. They they would have done it without her. They were well on the way. So that myth, nice. So that breaks up that myth. (laughs) And so. Breaks up that myth. I mean, why not blame Linda, you know, because she came along, you know, six months later. Correct. That's what I said. Why isn't there still pissed at Linda? Well, there, for those of you I looking for something new to carry around with you, let's start a new one. Still, Linda, Linda broke, broke up, up the, the Beatles. Beatles. So that's uh, what hey, you're I taking remember, away from this show. Uh, one of the fests, I still remember this one. They used to show the movies. They're showing Let It Be. And this is, I saw. I went to the fest before John died and then the, like two years after he died. And before he died, when Yoko come on, the crowd's booing. Ooh. They cheer Linda. Yep. Two years later. Yeah. They cheer on Yoko and they're booing Linda. Linda. I'm like, you idiot. no reason. They should you just idiots. cheer both. I think we should go to the Fest for Beatles fans or go to any Beatles gathering. Boo the Beatles. Just, no, just have a bunch of different shirts made up that say, like, you know. Still pissed at the no, Fab Four just, Free for All. No, Judy, Gar- <laughs> Judy Garland broke up the Beatles. You know, like, just, just you know, Joe Flynn broke up the Beatles. Just, like, completely <laughs> Larry Flynn. Larry Bert Storch. Bert Lar. Bert Lar broke Joe up the Joe Flynn from the yeah, Kale just, I, mean, I mean, you know, there's got Everybody. Be, we just, everybody broke up Toto the Beatles. Toto broke up to- the Beatles. Toto broke up the Le- Beatles. The Beatles were anyway. on their way. We should right. definitely have shirts made up. Still pissed at the Fab Four Free for All. Yeah, really. That's just very funny. Still pissed at Let's, yeah, but, oh! No, no, cut, that, cut that out. Cut anyway. that out. Why am I cutting that out? Because. That is funny. Though. Are you in bed with him? So to speak? The hours and times. No, that is funny. That is that funny. That was funny. 
So that that <laughs> kind of wraps up our look at Beatle myths and uh, all well, of the, the stories. So well, I mean, it's not really part one. Don't don't wait don't for next week yes, for a yes, part yes. two. Because people are still waiting. We're going. For the is there are still yeah. There are still going to be other myths that we'll talk about. Maybe as I said, the Paul's Dead will be a whole show. Absolutely. Um, and twelve shows for the breakup. And twelve shows for the breakup. But uh, I think it's it's something that. The point about the myths is very often one or more of the parties involved in the myth are no longer with us. Which is a shame. So we have no way of really knowing a thousand percent. But I think we I think we've taken care of a couple of them, laid a few of them to rest. I think Bernard Purdy played on everything. I think he did too. I did, I did. I was on Come Together and, the, and I even did the medley. Anyway. What was that? The hold me tight power cut? Wait, nice. which was that? That wasn't Lazy John. I played Lazy all the way on, I played I on the end. I, I did. On, I it did. was the end of the end. We're, and we're, by the way, we're parodying, those of you who want to know what the we're Ruddles. doing here, we're not, yeah, we're parodying the Ruddles. This is not We're not being uh, racist or anything. Yeah, this is, this is the whole Ruddles. The yeah, and you'll have a good laugh. Every over, time a yeah. documentary comes to <laughs> film a about a musician, he says <laughs> he, he did it. Last week he said he invented the Evelyn yeah, Brothers. And before that, Frank Sinatra. <laughs> right. Anyway, all right, with that in mind, this has been another episode of the Fab it wasn't Four really Free For All. I'm. I'm stimulated over here. So, uh, but anyway, uh, oh, I can see that. Nice, and uh, <laughs> what? I have been body. your moderator for this show, and my name is Tony Chiguardo. And joining me, as they always have, and hopefully always will, my good friend, Mr. Rob Leonard. Thank you. Thank and you. my good friend, Mr. Mitch Axelrod. No, I'm calling myself <laughs> Myth Axelrod. <laughs> Myth Axelrod, <laughs> saying good night. <laughs> good night. Good night. Fab Four Free For All was edited and produced by Tony Chiguardo at Word of Mouth Studios in Westbury, New York. The opening and closing theme is My Dolly by the band The Badge, featuring longtime listener Jeff Slate, available on its debut album Digital Retro and recent Best Of compilation, as well as from the Fab Four Free For All website. Thanks for listening to Fab Four Free For All. For whatever reason, you know, I'm not going to ask why. Well, actually, I would ask why, but why? I'm not going to speculate why. Patty. And then I'm not talking about Yoko's version of why. Yeah. Or why not. But that's Ringo's album, too. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> wow. Wow. Boo, 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 chick. We just went what? through five things. <laughs> boo, 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 chick. Hey, hey. I'm doing Barney Rubble. Wow. <laughs> boo, boo. So, uh, Yogi boo, boo, Bear. Boo, 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 Look at Boo, Boo's chick. <laughs> hey, Boo, Boo, Boo. Wow. So. Wow. You have... This thing where I'll oh, continue. I don't know what I'm talking. I, I, lost, <laughs> I don't I, either. I, I got lost with the boo boo chick thing. <laughs> well, you started. I know. I know. I, I got uh, Tony talking. You're talking about, about the different in. videos. Yeah. The oh different yes, videos. the different videos. The different videos. Still pissed at blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll reverse it. Yeah, reverse it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll reverse it. That's a great Still idea. Still pissed at blah. I'll, I'll do that. Sound like great. the uh, super the uh, villain for Superman. Anyway. So, Mister Malolo. But you know. Oh, oh, come on. I we know gotta go to going. Spain. We have to go to Spain. No, you have to. I've never you been to Spain. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of like the Beatles. There you go. Oh, come on. I've never been oh, to Spain. But I all right, like... all right. So somewhere, <laughs> Hoy- to go here. somewhere Hoyt Axton's spinning around in his grave. Um, we have to go here, Rob. We're going to take a quick break here on Fab Four Free For All. Say that three times fast. Fab Four Free For All. That's one. Fat for free for all. Do I have to, do I have to tell you one more time? I think it's the same. Fat for free for all. 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 Fat
the Fab Five Christian. Magic 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 Christian. Sorry. Sorry. Are we coming back? Can we take one minute just to take a breath? Much later, myth. What are you doing besides hurting my ears and, and hurting the listeners I was because doing, you're pounding uh, on the drumming. drum? I was over well, yeah, don't, don't do that. Let's Wait, start that again. Time out. We're going to fire him now for his drumming. <laughs> right, yeah, really. Don't do that. that I'm the all drummer. that did was make my headphones go. It really didn't affect mine at all. <laughs> wow. Anyway. All right. I know it's me, right? Yeah, it is you. Because uh, you're. Hi, ho. Kermit the Frog here. Okie dokie. Today we'd like to learn about the letter. Hi, ho. Fab for Fifro F. Hello, I am Don Ho. Valley Ho. Who are you calling a Ho? You, Don. Hi, Mr. Ho. <laughs> Can't take All right, give me, give, me some serious, <laughs> give me some serious levels, kids. Serious hey, levels. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, hey. You got to go. hide your... More levels, seriously. Hello. We are... Okay. We all live in a yellow submarine. Yellow submarine. <laughs> give me, give me more. I miss you. Hey, we hey! Uh, you say you love me. If yeah, I have to go. Special guest appearance by Bob Dylan on this evening's episode of. Actually, Fab I Four thought Free that Pro. sounded exactly like it. Did it did sound exactly. All right. I mean, it was when you played that all last right, night. Kids. I actually felt my stomach rumble. <laughs> <laughs> who's hosting? Who's hosting? Who's hosting? Well, who's I hosted hosting? the other one, so I'm not. You want me to do that? And you're going to do the. Think you want to do myths? Do myths. Yeah. yeah. Now, how did we do this? Hold on a minute you there. You say hi. Keep talk, talk, talk. Talk, talk, talk. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. You just decentered me. Yes. I know. Okay. I got rid of you all together. So. <laughs> all right. You're back. All right. Ready? Who's going to do the intro? Who's going to do the intro? Well, who did it last time? Did you do You did it. You did it for me. So I'll do it for uh, Tony. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Fab Four Free For All. Huh? Hey. Oh. Hey. And welcome to another Don't say exciting Completely boring episode awesome. of No, I'm kidding no, Welcome to a no, stimulating No, a stimulating episode I like, I like, that. I like exciting mm-hmm. There's no, tra- oh. no, It does not involve any batteries of any kind Anyway Batteries not included Batteries not show. included, yes no, Welcome to another stimulating episode of Fab Four Free For All the weekly all talk Beatles and Beatles related talk show on the internet You can call it a podcast We won't get upset But hey But you know. doesn't have to call me Ray Thank you very much And um, we're kind of covering a Oh, I'm being jo- oh, I'm going to start that again. Yeah, you should. I am being joined today by my good Wait, friends. You don't even say who you are. Oh, yeah, who, who are you? I'm being joined by who, who are, are you? you, Mr. Who fan? Who I'm Snidely you? Whiplash. <laughs> I woke up in Joho Soho doing. Wait, sounds like the Muppets doing it. I woke up. I woke up in Hojo's doorway. I woke up in a Hojo burger in my hand. Twenty-eight flavors on my mind. Thirty-one. That's right. Twenty-eight. Who was thirty-one? Baskin Robbins. Baskin Robbins. Wow, well, tag. <laughs> All right. Can anyway. you please say who you are? Let's start again. Yeah, please. Don't clap. I'm being Chuck Barris, and welcome to another. Wait, gong. Oh, Thank you. Before it's even started. <laughs> Let's start Wait. again. Bring out Murray Langston. Bring out JP. I used to love him. Welcome JP Morgone. Anyway, all right. Sorry. Brett Summers. Brett Summers. I loved it. <laughs> Jack, Jack, come in, Jack. <laughs> I always love that. You're so messy. <laughs> All right. 
Felix, come clean up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Oscar. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Anyway. Now I became uh, Charles Mills O'Reilly. All right, let's start again. All right, please. Okay, what, you want to do that? Uh, I don't have to do that again. All right, okay. All right, I'll do it again. You ready? Less editing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Fab Four Free For All. And welcome to another stimulating edition of the Fab Four Free For All, the weekly all talk Beatles and Beatles related show on the internet. I said all talk so I couldn't say talk show because that would have been the Department of Redundancy Department. I'm Tony Chiguardo hosting your episode today and joining moderating, me. Moderating, you mean? Uh, ho- moderating. Yeah, you said host. Yeah, we co host. Yeah, we right. We all co host. Right, I'm just we being moderated. We all co host. Yeah, in the studio. And I'm being joined today by my good friend, Mr. Mitchell Axelrod. Hello. And my good friend, Mr. Rob Leonard. Hello, Anthony. Hello, Robert. And um, on this episode, I think you guys are close, and I feel left out. It's, <laughs> th- it's you two. <laughs> I thought it was I you two. I thought it was two. you two. No, no, that was the last episode. Oh, sorry. sorry yeah, not the, that, was a, that was a previous incarnation. Wait, time right. out. Wait, wait. I hear some. <laughs> I give it a 10. <laughs> nice. <laughs> sorry. Wow. Go okay. Ahead. Now that we've really sunk into, you know. Lock the door. Yeah, lock the door. Um, we're going to talk about a topic that we sort of cover bits and pieces of this concept and this idea in a number of, of different episodes. They come up uh, in the course of conversation relating directly to some topics. We'll talk about things that are said about the Beatles and have been said over the years that have been either proven untrue, maybe sort of unfounded, or we sort of really don't exactly know what the ex- true answer is to the question well, or the situation. to a point. To a point. Well, and we can we speculate. Edu- that's why I'm saying. But there's, there, are, there are all three possible situations. We know definitely, yes, we are completely unsure, and we have an educated guess, yes or no. And what I'm talking about is is Beatle myths, uh, myths and and you know supposedisms. If you want to call it that, misconceptions. Supposedism. What dictionary yeah. did you pull that one? It's out? it's my it's one. I'm trying to coin a new word. Like oh. like what's the uh, what's the one that uh, the, the the host uh, the the. The guy on uh, that just left and is taking over the Late Show for David Letterman. What's the one that he Stephen made up? Colbert. Colbert made up a couple of words, right? Didn't he? Yes, he what did. What's going on in there? That's oh, that's you. Is it you vibrating or me vibrating? No, it's not me. You're buzzing again. Yeah, boys, are, are you, you buzzing? buzzing? No, no, got the call. What was that? Might have been my phone. I don't know. Yeah, that was loud, dude. That was very loud, though. Anyway, um. Go ahead. I'm going to start that whole sentence. Yeah. Please do. Should I start the whole show again? No. No. Um, all right. Maybe. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe. All right, let's just and start welcome. again. Go ahead. 